Welcome to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Janelle Amos. And if you're a Demand Gen marketer, you're in the right place. In this podcast, we talk about, you guessed it, how to build and deploy scalable Demand Gen frameworks in a simplified way. You'll learn from me and my experience from being a three-time in-house director of Demand Gen to now founder of Elevate Growth, a B2B SaaS Demand Gen consulting firm, where I've helped over 14 companies deploy a Demand Gen framework from scratch. You'll also hear from a list of guests and experts on the show as well. You can check out elevate-growth.com for more information about me. But for the reason why you're here today, let's dive in. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode. Today I have the pleasure to be joined with Stefan Hedebrandt. He is the co-founder and CMO of DreamData.io. Stefan, did I pronounce your last name right? Can you do a quick overview of your background and of DreamData <laughs> I, for I us, please? I approve the, the pronunciation. <laughs> it's not the easiest one in, uh, in, in English. Cool. Did you want to start with like a brief overview of how you navigated to co-founding Dream Data and give the audience a little bit more information on what Dream Data is? Yeah. So I can say all the way ever since I graduated uh, university back in 2010, I've always been working in uh, in B2B companies. I've always been working in um, predominantly digital companies, uh, predominantly uh, marketing and growth related roles. So a mixed bag of everything from like a super small startup to to Upwork, to um, like uh, a screen sharing device called Airtame, which was where I really got obsessed with this question about if I spent money on ads, what comes out uh, on the other side? And uh, at the end of that tenure, I happened uh, to meet my my two uh, now co-founders that could actually help explain this question. Because at my last company, this B2B hardware company, we, we went through this journey of like, less than 20 employees to around 100 employees and zero dollars net spent to around a hundred thousand dollars net spent per month and as you as you go through that kind of scaling process it's kind of you know the cause and effect of the first ten thousand you put in month on month mm-hmm. but the last 10 20 30 thousand you put in you're like your guess is as good as mine well whether what works and stuff like that so, but I've always believed that like to be like successful with marketing, you need to to have an impact on your, you know, money. Like you have to have an impact on selling stuff. So I really tried my best with the tools I had available back then to to try and prove. You know, I've been playing computer games when I was a kid, and there's always these cheat codes for <laughs> the games, and uh, I re- that's what I regard understanding the customer journey or like attribution if you want uh as kind of the cheat codes for 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 the life of a b2b marketer because if we understand what it is that we did and what outcome it gave us then we can go back and uh, repeat it we can go back and tweak it and optimize it a little bit and squeeze a little bit more extra out of our efforts so that's why I got really obsessed with this question about I need to understand what happened so I can do more of it or stop doing it. And I, I met my two co-founders uh, that's like yeah four and a half years ago now where they had been going at this problem from a, an engineering point of view where they were running the product at a company called Trustpilot. It's a really big uh, review site, at least here in, in Europe. And their question was, or the first question they had was, 
what happens to a it, there was a big freemium play so you can create a free account for your business and then you can collect reviews and then they monitored like with data how long did it take before you become a customer what were the different touch points in your journey from creating an account until you sell and once you've established that, you start asking, is it better they, that they answer through this channel or this channel or like ad platforms, blog post, uh, outbound? Is there more likely to churn or like upsell and whatever? And that 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 core uh, curiosity and core technical solution is still the foundation of what it is that we do at, uh, at Dream Data today. We basically help uh, our B2B customers understand and make sense of their uh, customer journeys, at least upon to the, to the level of utilizing every digital reflection that they have available, because we're not, we're not mind readers. We will never get you to to a hundred percent, but we will at least take all the data silos you have available and model into an account based timeline of of every account that you deal with. And then you can start looking for patterns of what to do more and and less of. So I think that's the the quickest of pitches and intros to to what I've been doing in my past and what I'm doing today. Yeah, I love that intro. Thank you so much. What I think is interesting, though, from your background and especially with customer journeys and revenue attribution, today's conversation is actually being molded more around marketing and sales alignment. So I guess the first question that I have for you today is how how would you fully go about defining like what marketing and sales alignment should look like in modern B2B SaaS businesses? Um, yeah, so it's, it's a topic I'm super passionate about because um, like we've, re we've really seen the effects at, at our company as well from, from getting this alignment right. What I mean by alignment is like ultimately like each company can only spend their dollars once. So you want to make sure that every department you have available is using the resources that they have towards a common shared goal. So that means that like marketing is trying to attract the same kind of people as the salespeople like to sell to. And the product people is building product for the <laughs> to, the, to the accounts that the sales team likes to, to sell to. So everything that you do is focused towards the same outcome. And uh, I've, I've, I've learned this probably the hard way when, like when we started out Dream Data, I think I did the first 100 demo calls uh, on my own. So I did my own attract of the demand and then sat on the demo calls afterwards. And I've been sitting in demo calls where it's like, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm never going <laughs> to, I'm never going to sell to you. So like, why did I even show up to this demo call too? Like, but I think that's like, it's really helpful for marketers to, dip your toes in sales because you really see the impact of whether you focus on producing quality demand or if you just go for quantity of emails that you can collect. So it's something that we're super obsessed with nowadays at, at Dream Data. And it goes all the way through from who are we attracting, who are we selling to, who can the CS team make renew their product. So everything is about, for us at least, it's uh, it's mainly a foot to focus towards B2B software companies today. But it also helps like just streamlining most decisions. I love that. It's definitely critical for B2B SaaS companies. And that's my background within SaaS. However, I still see so much misalignment. I see it all over LinkedIn. Marketing and sales alignment is key. It's gold and go-to-market alignment is key. But every single client that I work with, I don't say every single, but it's very much a common 
um, challenge with clients that they have total go-to-market dysfunctions. They're siloed. They're not talking to each other. They're going after different ICPs, different accounts. Nobody knows who they're going after. So it's just, it's, it's almost mind boggling about everybody still preaching the necessity and the criticalness of having marketing sales alignment, but nobody seems to actually like figure out how to do it. And so that's why I'm really excited for this conversation because you're walking that example over at Dream Data as well. What do you think are some common challenges that businesses encounter when trying to align marketing and sales? And why do you think that it's this much of an issue that businesses still struggle with that? Uh, dysfunctional go-to-market, that's a good, uh, <laughs> good term. Uh, I think a lot of companies can be, you're suffering from, or you're like, yeah, the, you're suffering from the heritage of what worked once. So like mm-hmm. if you're born sales-led, then the company just keeps making decisions uh, isolated around what will the sales department uh, prefer. So I think it, in many cases, uh, I think there's two things in play here. One is there's kind of the top-down approach that the leaders of the company should insist that people regard themselves as part of the same team as not a part of like four different teams or whatever you have. Mm-hmm. You need to get everybody to think that like the, the buyer will only experience one customer journey and the marketing touches there in the start of the journey and the sales touches is in the end of it, but it's it's essentially the same journey. Um, the other way is that I really uh, preach that it's, you know, it's everybody's responsibility that we're aligned. So if marketing has no clue about what is, what, how do they look, the leads that the sales team prefer, then walk into the sales sales room and ask them like physically or digitally or if the sales team feels that they're just being loaded with crap leads go into the marketing room and tell them this is not how the leads should look like they should look like xyz so there's both the kind of the management top down that should insist that we collaborate and we align our activities across the customer journey and then there's uh, what I really preach is like the individual responsibility that we we make sense of why are we here and how can we help each other. And um, actually, just to to plug it, we I did a a blog post on the Dream did a blog on uh, like I think ten advices on on this topic, how to align marketing and sales. But I think the first one is an easiest one is to insist that there's always a marketing team member that listens into the weekly sales pipeline meeting. I think most companies has this kind of one meeting once a week where all yeah. the account executives get together and talk about deals. Make sure somebody from marketing sits in there because us as marketers, we listen differently to, to what salespeople say than the salespeople say because mm-hmm. we're always thinking one-to-many solutions. We don't want to go through the hassle of replying the same thing to every email. So like just the other day, I heard a salesperson saying, Hey, do we? I had to answer this customer that whether we had this Samuel login, uh, like which is some kind of special security login that enterprises like, and I knew we had that, but the salesperson literally had to like reply that in an email, and then I went to our website and I couldn't actually find this information anywhere. So, like within a day or two, that information was available on the website. And the same thing goes with like, what are the salespeople repeatedly being asked? Well, we in marketing, we can get 
those annoying things out of your way because we can do really good one-to-many replies here. Yeah. Sometimes though, I almost feel like it's easier said than done, if you will, about saying the leadership needs to be the one that makes sure that it's an entire go-to-market initiative. Sometimes you need to make sure that marketing is on those pipeline calls, um, you know, sales stepping in the same room as marketing. There's a lot of politics that come into play if an organization is traditionally sales-led and we're wanting to lead that level of modernization. What do you think are some like best ways that we can empower other marketers if because this podcast is directed more towards marketers and sales individuals what are some like recommendations that you have for marketers to be able to champion that Yeah I would I would start with the marketers becoming aware that mm-hmm. what the scorecard for our activities that is really that we we that our company sells more it's not the success of a campaign to generate emails the success of marketing is when your company sells stuff what that means is that there should always be like a a revenue feedback loop or at least like feedback like a thinking loop we did xyz we spent xyz money how much revenue came out of our investment here so you start thinking about like how much did we sell after we did this activity? So if you start judging yourself against that scorecard instead of you know just mindlessly generating more and more emails that nobody ever cares about speaking to, then I think as when you start acting in this way and start building, uh, you know, the evidence that you're coming with this, then you'll get a in many cases, a different respect from the sales team. Like you guys closed 100 deals last year. We provided you with 65 of those deals. And now, how do you think about marketing now? Yep. It's a really great call out, finding a way to showcase your value by not only getting like the data tied and accumulated into the right way, because that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> itself is making sure that the data tells the story go ahead i think it's uh like start out with just start up building out the narrative of what like you know a simple narrative of we do xyz things because we think that you know that that produces revenue and then once you're in your team and the marketing team has established the story then go try out this story together with the leader of the sales team try it out with the cfo get people to buy in on these are mm-hmm. the right activities we're doing in order to produce demand that we will sell to. And once you have those two steps done, then there's the path of then bringing the data either like quantitatively or qualitatively that the narrative you have is actually also true. So if you have nothing else, then take, take screenshots of the, your proof like People mentioning on you on social media or in Slack channels, or you met people at a conference, make sure you write those anecdotes down so the company starts understanding these things actually work. Do you think that marketing and sales should have, and maybe even customer success, right? As we're talking about this entire like go to market, banishing some of those silos. 
Do you think that in addition to the weekly pipeline calls where a marketer should be present or how if it's a monthly pipeline calls, whatever the setup that an organization has, do you think that that's enough to really drive alignment between all of the teams? Or do you suggest that there should be an additional like monthly all go-to-market team alignment where it's more than just like the leaders, it's actual individuals that are also on the team. Like if we're wanting to banish some of the silos and some of the politics, at what point is it just leaders communicating with mm. then it's, it's an actual department, like different departments are interacting and working together as a team. Yeah, I think that that's a good observation, Janelle, that it, you know, it's not enough that the leader, leaders are are preaching this. You need, <laughs> you need the people to to follow as well. Um, I think we're privileged in the sense that uh, we're just around, what are we now, like 40 people, and we can still fit everybody into the same office. So it's quite easy to feel that we're um, part of the same organization, whereas, you know, uh, much larger companies with us with several offices over all over the place, it's much harder. But I think it's about creating some kind of... Uh, some shared goals. Um, and what I mean when I say goals, it could be uh, like, first of all, the number one goal is how much revenue we produce. Secondly, how much pipeline we produce. Out of the pipeline we need to produce, the marketing team needs to be responsible for a certain chunk. And the, maybe if you have an outbound team, they're responsible for the other chunk. So that like people know that they're leading into the same kind of end mm -hmm. goal. Uh, and then you probably have to like report on that funnel all the time. So the teams will keep seeing how much did the sales team team win, but also how much entered the pipe through these marketing sourced um, channels. But it's also about like listening to what, <laughs> how do you then do it? I, I, it's hard to almost like rewire your brain to to think about the silos again. Like how do you, how can you think in this way when you know that like the only way your company wins is is if everybody works together to towards a, a common goal. Yeah, and I think the key takeaway from this is that it starts from the top, like for sure. And there's definitely ways that somebody, if you're an individual contributor on the marketing team, can start advocating for those conversations. But at the end of the day, I don't know how possible it is for somebody who doesn't have the power and the politics behind them to really lead that entire change. Um, I think the best you can do is lead some of those collaborative conversations. And then if others have that same pain point or that same mindset and the willingness to change, then you can kind of do like a buddy system and move your way up and really start talking about the challenges, the differences and better ways to do it. And I think that mm. could also be like a bottoms up approach as well, because people are, are, and I'm guilty of this as well, always say, no, it's a leadership problem. Oh, it starts <laughs> from the leadership. But like, what, like, does that mean that if your leader's aren't bought in or if your leaders maybe um they don't have the experience in that area that you just leave companies like what if the company is great what if you believe in the product like you know yeah. so finding ways that you yourself can manage up and can drive some of these larger um initiatives could also be very beneficial in my experience yeah okay. uh, one exercise that we really benefited from was to like do a corporate or what you can say uh, like a company-wide definition of what is an ideal customer profile for us yeah like deciding upon who are we actively trying to sell to and 
who are we actively trying not to sell to and do that as kind of a, a company exercise. So everybody agrees and buys into that these are really the people that we need to, to attract, which uh, when, when I said in the beginning that that was what made us really like march in the, in the same direction. Because if you have this ideal customer uh, profile defined, then marketing can also be held accountable for does the demand that comes in look like the agreed uh, customer profile that we're trying to attract? If it doesn't, well, then marketing is at least not living up to uh, what we've agreed that we should be living up to. Then secondly, it could be that the sales team doesn't care about all the inbound leads that marketing drives. Well, then it's the sales team that is deferring from uh, the strategy that we, that we have agreed. So, so there's like multiple steps in that journey where we can all try to kind of make sure you're not, you're not stronger than, than your weakest link. So if you have from the way you attract people to the way you sell to them, to the way you renew people and make them happy and you build more product for them. I love it. I think that's super valuable. The last question that I have for our conversation today are what are some ways that you can start showing that you want to be a part of alignment between marketing and sales going forward and that you can really like win their trust because saying you're going to do one thing, showing up for the meetings, you know, you're at one point talking the talk. So what are some recommendations that over time we could really establish that trust to really like walk the walk and bridge the gaps and truly have a unified marketing and sales and go to market function? Yeah, I think there's a lot of proactive steps you can take. Like one is to, you know, do an analysis of uh, the last 100 demo calls that got booked on your website and like, you know, try to bucket them into different uh, demographics, firmographics and show, walk into the sales team's room, like book a call with the sales manager and present. These are the last 100 demo calls. Do you like the looks of it? Is it the right industry? Is it the right company size or, or what is it? Or the opposite, ask about what are the, like this quarter, what are the 10 best deals that we got in? Uh, explain to me why these are good uh, good leads. It might be because of technology, company size, whatever it is, and say, great, now I know exactly who you like to sell to. I'll go back to, the, to my room and then try to attract more of these. So it's, I think it's all the time asking you like proactive, pro, that, that proactive question, how can I help the sales team with what I do? Because we're not in the world to, to you know, just operate independently because mm -hmm. we can do the best marketing in the world. But if the sales team doesn't care about it, if they don't act upon the leads that we bring in, then the return on ad spend, the ROI of whatever we do is, is going to be close to zero. Yeah, I think just to to add to that, I think it's also making sure that you deliver, right? Like you can pull people into a room and talk about um, how the quality of the demos are looking and get that feedback and the takeaway for how it could be better. But I think then it's actually finding a way for it to get better and showing those results and coming in and saying, hey, I heard you about this. This is what I did about it. How are these? And, you know, still mm -hmm. to your point, that revenue feedback, but it's not only just, it's that it's proactiveness and saying, hey, let's have a conversation and work through it together. But then it's also making sure that you're holding yourself accountable to come back with that feedback loop and say, here's what yeah. I did about it. I think that helps establish trust over time as well. A super good point, Janelle. It could also be like, 
go in and ask what are the 10 questions that customers always ask you on a sales conversation, mm -hmm. go back and write 10 great blog posts about to answer these questions and then go show that to the sales team and say, now you don't have to remember all of these answers. You can just send them this link. So that's very true. And I think that goes for most relationships that that you need to do what you say and say what you do. You got to do the work. In yeah. relationships, you got to do the work. Yeah. Awesome. You're picking up the kid. You're picking up the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to You got to deliver. That's that's going to be the yeah. tactical takeaway for this episode. You got to deliver whatever you do. Make it agreed upon and make sure that you deliver. Awesome. I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Those are all the questions that I have. Is there any last minute thoughts that you want to leave for the audience or what are some best places that people can get in touch if they have additional questions for you? Oh, I think on that very narrow focus of marketing, taking responsibility for the alignment, we've really been well through it. Um, yeah, so, but I'm in general, I'm super active on probably too active on, on LinkedIn. So if people want to get in contact with me, they can just connect there. And uh, if they're interested in what we do at Dream Data, they can just go to, to Dream Data IO and, uh, and check it out. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much again for your time. Thank you so much, Jenna. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please do not forget to subscribe. Thanks, and see you next time.